When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Freelance Friday podcast. I'm your host, Latasha James, or the Latasha James on Instagram and on Twitter if you want to say hello. And today I am covering a very hot topic in the freelancing world. It's one that I feel like I've covered a couple of times before in different videos and podcasts and courses, but I still get questions about it all the time. So I am doing the ultimate rundown of exactly how I've gotten clients ever, every single way that I ever have gotten clients in my career to hopefully give you guys some inspiration and help you do the same. Now, before we hop into this episode, I do want to just say this. I think it's very important to be aware of where you are in your journey before taking action on any of these things or, you know, before looking at something that somebody else is doing and kind of trying to emulate that. I think that is really important to do. Let me explain. You know, when I first started freelancing, and I'm going to get way more in detail in this in this episode, but when I first started freelancing, I was not leaning highly on inbound marketing, meaning, you know, putting out YouTube videos and having clients come to me or people coming to me through search. Those were not my main strategies because I hadn't built up the authority in the space, the SEO, the, the search authority. Um, there were a lot of more foundational things that I needed to do. I also hadn't had a lot of experience, so I couldn't pull out case studies and give examples of work that I'd done if people did come to me. So I focused more on going out and being proactive, using job boards, things like that. And I say this not to be discouraging in any way. I say this because it's important to know that really in my experience, what has been the most successful or what I'm very grateful that I've always done is I've always had multiple different Um, lead sources. I don't rely just on one single thing. I don't rely just on my YouTube channel or just on Google or just on job boards or just on word of mouth. I have kind of a mix and I think it's important to know where you're at in your business first and then also focus on different things. You should never be putting all of your eggs into one basket. That's my theory at least. So I just want to say that and you know I put this disclaimer out because a lot of times I'll have people reach out to me and they'll say oh Latasha I heard you say in a YouTube video that the majority of your leads come to you through your YouTube channel so help me start a YouTube channel. I want to start a YouTube channel and yes anybody can start a YouTube channel and I highly recommend a lot of people do but it's not going to be the right fit for every single person, every single business. And it's also not going to get you clients day one that you launch a YouTube video or a podcast or a blog. Those things tend to be kind of kind of long games. And again, we'll talk more in, in depth when I get to each of those specific categories. But I just want to say this disclaimer at the outset of the episode. Just, you know, take all these things. Think about how they can apply to your business if they do already. Don't feel like because I say I get leads from a certain place that you have to immediately start something new and totally change paths from what you've already been building. So with that said, the first place that I've ever got a freelance client was on Upwork. 
back in the day, it used to be called Elance. And I actually ran across a job posting on LinkedIn and they asked me to apply on Upwork. So I didn't really fully have the context for like what a freelance job was or what a freelance job board was or anything like that. I just kind of like did what the instructions told me. And it was a freelance writing gig. I got paid $20 a blog post. It was for like an e-learning startup. And I worked for them probably for like a year or so. I don't know, at least a semester maybe of college. And it was a really good experience, honestly. I mean, I didn't make obviously a ton of money. I didn't become rich from that or anything, but it did just, you know, it was a, it was a good lead. It was a consistent work, a consistent revenue stream. And once I kind of understood what Upwork or then Elance was, I started to take on other clients on that platform as well, just once in a while, you know, once in a while I would browse the boards, see what kind of gigs were were available. I was really focused on freelance writing at the time and I would take a couple of clients here and there. Now I did sort of take a break from Upwork. I I don't know exactly why. I think maybe when the, the merge happened and Elance became Upwork, I just kind of fell off. Like I think maybe my account got deactivated because I didn't use it or something like that. And I just sort of stopped focusing on Upwork. But recently, in this past year, I really have actually been focusing a lot on Upwork and I have a couple of long-term clients on there and I actually reached top rated status, which was really cool. And honestly, you guys, I love Upwork. (laughs) I think for a while I kind of had in my mind that Upwork wasn't a great place for freelancers because I was consuming a lot of social media content and, you know, freelancing tips and stuff. And I think there's really two sides. There's either people who love Upwork or people who hate it or insert other job board here too. I think like a lot of people just don't believe in using those platforms and they kind of badmouth the platform, which is totally fine. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I think I kind of got swayed by that. And I was like, oh yeah, like that's not the way to do it. You can only get cheap clients. You can only get this, you can only get that. And then I I don't know what really compelled me to get on there last year, but I did. And I found out pretty much everything that I thought about Upwork was wrong. I actually have got a lot of long-term clients, a lot of high paying clients, a lot of really fun and interesting clients on there. So I personally really like the platform. Now, like I said in the beginning of the episode, it's not the only way that I get clients but it is a nice fallback option. It's nice to have, especially during times like this, like COVID-19, where things are a little bit uncertain. People are, you know, shifting budgets around. It's just nice to know that I have a solid profile on Upwork. So if I do need to start applying to new gigs, it's there. And I actually just in my membership community, the Freelance Friday membership or the Freelance Friday Club, which I'm thinking of changing the name to. Uh, If you watch my latest YouTube video, you'd, you'd understand what I'm talking about. But anyway, in the membership community, I actually just did an Upwork uh, masterclass and I shared all of my tips that I know about actually finding those high quality clients, profile tips and, you know, search tips and uh, proposal tips, like how to write a good proposal that actually gets me interviews or or conversations with prospective clients. So that replay is still available. So if you want to go ahead and join the group, or if you're already a member of the group, the link is in the show notes, or you can just type into your browser bit.ly slash LJ membership. And we've got a lot of good stuff in there. How I got my first client is with the mindset of going all in 
and I invested in some courses and watched YouTube videos and came across Latasha where I learned how to be a social media manager and I signed up to be an apprentice through the GenM apprenticeship program, which is now known as Acadian. I interned for about three people for three months. And after my internships, I became a Facebook community manager and director of client operations for one of my mentors. And that's how I landed my first freelance client. Okay, so that was a little soundbite from Joshua Mika. You can find her at Joshua Mika, J-A-S-C-H-A-M-I-K-K-A on Instagram. And she is awesome. As you heard, she actually worked for me as an apprentice. And I just wanted to add that in here. That's not a way that I've ever got clients or, you know, kind of went down the path of getting clients, but that is an option. So my Upwork $20 a blog post you know, writing gig was sort of my, my version of like an apprenticeship or an internship because it was really low paying. And, you know, we all have to get our start somewhere. So I wanted to throw that in there. Jasha is an awesome person. And uh, I really am happy that we were able to connect. She did great work for me. And I'm happy that she has went on to get freelance clients of her own. So I wanted to throw that in here. And I actually did take an internship. Shortly after I got that freelance writing gig on Upwork, I did end up getting an internship for my college scholarship. And I was really responsible for all of the social media strategies and posts and marketing and stuff like that. So it was paying, that internship did pay me actually, but it was very, again, very low. So getting your start somewhere is very important. Okay, so the next place that I got freelance clients was through word of mouth. And this is one of those like very vague terms. So let me illustrate what that means a little bit. So word of mouth for me during that time, again, I was in college, I was studying film video. And one of my colleagues actually at that internship that I had, they recommended me to a friend of theirs. Their friend was an author, a pretty accomplished author actually. And in our local area and she was about to release a second book and she needed like um kind of like a a book trailer like a a pitch kind of thing for publishers almost like a sizzle reel in the tv world but I guess I don't know what it's called in the book world but anyway it was something pretty simple it's just like a little interview she needed and some b-roll so my friend recommended me to that author and that's how I got the gig and you know, it was one of those things where word of mouth can be really amazing in some ways because I didn't technically have a video portfolio yet. I mean, yes, I had my schoolwork that I probably could have shown, but if I was just out on the free market, like applying to gigs, I probably wouldn't get a freelance gig with an accomplished author using like school projects that weren't even that amazing. And so it was one of those things where, you know, word of mouth if, if you find somebody who trusts you and they have somebody who trusts them, then it can really work out and you don't necessarily need so much material to kind of make, you know, wedge your way in there, I guess you could say. So that was something looking back, I can't even remember how much I got paid. It was like a few hundred dollars. Like I think it was actually pretty fair considering my skill set at the time and, you know, the duration of the shoot and stuff like that. I also got another word of mouth client because... 
I had that Upwork um, writing gig. Somebody who kind of like, she was the editor of the site. So I kind of submitted work to her, but she wasn't the client officially. Kind of hard to explain, but she started her own company a year later or something like that. And she reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to work as a social media manager or social media content writer for her new content agency. So again, I mean, that was kind of word of mouth, kind of referral, whatever you want to call it. But basically, I did a good job at that freelance writing gig that she sort of supported and managed. She had heard me. I must have told her at some point that I was interested in social media marketing. And so she directly reached out to me. So I want to bring that up because even though it was a really low paying gig, it really did pay off long term. That was the place where I really fully got a lot of social media experience. And if you do a good job, you are willing to work your way up by working for cheap or working for free. Like Joshua mentioned, doing apprenticeships and things like that. I'm telling you it will pay off and that's kind of always been my model for things. I'm not saying you should undervalue yourself. You shouldn't work for free for something that isn't giving you good experience or that isn't teaching you anything. So be choosy, but if you're picking things that are going to be strategically helpful for you long term, usually they will pay off. At least they have for me. Now the next way that I've received freelance job offers is through my YouTube. Now, this was really like the third place that I got. I got a freelance gig and it was very weird for me the first time this happened because I had no idea what I was doing. Again, it was like the same time period. I was kind of doing all of these different projects, you know, within the same year for the most part. And I had made a video about a tech platform. I won't get too more in depth than that. I made basically like a review video about it. And the founder of a similar platform, or you could argue a competing platform, he emailed me and he said, hey, I saw your review of this platform. You know, you seem like you know what you're talking about. Do you want to hop on a Skype call with me and just give me some feedback? Again, I had no freaking clue what I was doing. And I just said yes. The person also happened to be in Europe. So, uh, you know, there's also like a time difference, a language barrier, a cultural difference. And so I was like a fish out of water. I was like, I don't know. This sounds kind of cool, though. I guess I'm going to hop on the Skype call. So I didn't charge him for it. I didn't go into it with any expectation. I just thought it was cool that a CEO of a company wanted to talk to me. To be honest with you, that's kind of the stage in my career that I was at. And again, I say that because just like I said earlier, you have to work your way up. And I now probably wouldn't just hop on a call just with anyone who wanted to talk to me and pick my brain. I've made podcasts and videos about picking my brain uh, plenty of times, but I do think that there is a time and a place and a season in business for that where you do kind of just have to take every experience for what it is. I think even if this didn't turn into a long-term client like it did end up being, um, it would have been a really good opportunity for me to pick that CEO's brain of like, what are what do they look for in freelancers and just get an understanding of how those types of conversations go and give me some experience talking to people who ran companies, you know, because at that point I was a college student who my only job experience was really retail in this one internship. So anyway, I really had no expectation for that conversation, but it did end up turning into kind of a short-term freelance gig where I did like some research for him and his company and just really served as an advisor, which honestly was really cool. And I'm still very grateful to him and to that company for 
again, kind of taking a chance on me because I was just this kid. Like, I was just this college kid who had experience in the space that he was looking to be in, but not anything formal. So he was really taking my advice and I am really grateful for that experience. So it started out kind of short term. I graduated college. I moved to Detroit. I got a big girl job at a, you know, a company, a Fortune 500 company, and I kind of fell off consulting with them. Like I I just got too busy or whatever. And then kind of maybe a few months after I'd started my day job, he came in with an offer wanting me to work long-term for them. So I ended up working for that company for like two or three years and really spearheading everything. I hired a team of two other people. I like launched all of the social media marketing strategies, paid ads, organic ads, all the processes. I, you know, went all over the country for different events for them. It was a really, really awesome experience. So that turned into a really long-term client. Now, again, with my YouTube though, I had had a YouTube channel for like two years at that point. Now, I'm not saying that it's going to take two years for you if you start a YouTube channel to have a good client reach out to you, a qualified client. But I'm just saying that because, you know, I don't recommend YouTube as a strategy to day one get a client. That was something that two years later, and even that video that I had posted was old. Like I had posted that video, I think like six months to a year beforehand. So it wasn't like I posted the video and I got a client the next day or that that was even my intention with the video. I was really just trying to inform my community. So YouTube or any type of content marketing really is a long game. Same with this this podcast. You know, it is something that you put in the work in advance and down the line, it tends to pay off for me. I also have received, I've received several other YouTube clients um, or several other offers from people who have found me on YouTube. Mostly my coaching clients, pretty much any coaching client that I've ever, ever signed has said that they first found me on YouTube, but also, you know, service-based clients, people who want me to shoot videos for them or do consulting or do social media marketing have also found me on there. But again, I don't just post a YouTube video and the clients come the next day. So just want to kind of clear that up. Another thing that's a long game is my podcast. So same thing. It is a long game. I've had this podcast for two years and I would say probably last year was the first time that I really kind of started to see concrete results from it. Uh, Concrete ROI, meaning that people were pretty consistently coming to me for coaching, saying that, that they really enjoyed my podcast specifically and that I was actually seeing traffic from you know, linking things in the show notes and things like that, um, that my Facebook group had started to grow, courses started to sell, things like that. So, you know, again, it's kind of a long game. I had to make probably 50 episodes or something before I really started to see results with it. But podcasting and my courses, I'll just kind of lump those into one. Basically, the education side of my personal brand, those do yield me a lot of coaching clients. It's the primary way, um, secondary to YouTube. I don't do like Facebook ads or anything like that to get coaching clients. They really just come to me through the funnel that I've built through my podcast my, and my courses and things like that. So that is a way, but again, it, it's kind of like a slow build. So 
there's that. The next way that I get clients is through referrals. I've sort of talked about that already with the word of mouth. I mean, that was a friend recommending me, but same thing for previous clients that I've worked with. They will sometimes refer me to other business owners or friends of theirs or, or whatnot. I also will get referrals sometimes from past colleagues in my corporate job. So when I used to work in corporate, I think this is super important, you guys. If you leave a corporate job, if you can help it, maintain those relationships nine times out of ten even if you didn't like your job or you didn't like your company or whatever you usually liked your coworkers or at least some of them I know I that's like the one thing that I really miss about my old job is I loved my coworkers I loved my boss whether that's keeping in touch via you know social media LinkedIn texting them once in a while whatever is appropriate but yeah I do actually get referrals sometimes people saying oh like this company I heard that they were hiring somebody blah 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 so do that. I also get referrals from my coaching clients, which is something that I never really expected to happen. But every once in a while, this has actually happened a lot now where a coaching client, either a current coaching client or somebody who worked with me in the past, one of their clients that they've that they're not working with needs something that's maybe out of their scope that they don't have the time or and or the expertise for. So they call me in and ask to help out. And it's really cool. Like I never planned that to be a source of more leads for me, but it's really nice in that sense. Now with referrals, I do tend to offer like a a referral bonus to people. And I get this question all the time is like, do you do it for forever? Like if they have a $500 a month package, do you give them 10% of $500 forever? No. What I do is I'll do like 10% or 20% of the first month. For coaching clients, I'll often just offer them free sessions. I'll say, hey, thank you so much. And again, it just depends on the value of the contract or I'll offer them cash too. Next thing is speaking gigs. So again, for speaking gigs, I would say it's like probably 75, 25 for coaching clients and service-based work. So mostly coaching clients is what I get from speaking gigs. Speaking gigs are interesting. (laughs) Let me say that. I really love doing speaking gigs just because I think that they have helped me grow as a professional a lot. But they're another one of those things that like if you're starting from day one and you're like, I need to get a client tomorrow, I probably wouldn't say, you know what, you should really focus on getting some speaking gigs because they're, you know, the ROI on them is pretty low for me, at least, I would say. I mean, I think that they do add credibility. So they're more of like a branding thing where, yes, the whole package, you know, packaging together the speaking gigs I've done, the articles I've been mentioned in, the past work that I've done, the testimonials I've gotten, like all of those things together make up a strong brand and and it give me a good kind of good appeal to, to potential clients. But speaking gigs alone, again, I don't just like get a client the day that I do a speech or something like that. And they're also hard to control because there have to be events for you to be invited to or to be able to pitch to. And especially during times like this, they're kind of far and few between. I mean, I do do a lot of online stuff right now, but it's just kind of unpredictable. And I personally don't find high ROI. Now, I do think if you have a book or you have something to sell then and there, I feel that those folks do a little bit better with the speaking circuit. Also, if the speaking gig itself is a gig, like if you're getting paid for it, obviously that's nice. But again, they're not like a big percentage of my income by any means. 
Now, another thing I'll say about speaking is I used to say yes to like everything. Somebody would ask me to speak and I was like, yes, I'll do it. And it got to a point actually last year, I think it was, where I was invited to speak at this event and they were so rude to me. I was like kind of, um, I was interviewing somebody. So I was kind of like a host for a panel And because I wasn't, you know, the star of the show, which I'm completely fine with, I actually want to do more hosting. That's something that I really enjoy doing. Because I wasn't like the star of the show, I was treated like I was nobody. Like it was very, very odd. Um, (laughs) Like, I don't know. And I'm not like a diva by any means, but I feel like I was treated really horribly. And it was one of those things where I actually had another event that same day that I was coming from. And I left that other event where they treated me amazingly. I left that event early to be at this other thing. And then I got treated like crap. And it was just one of those things where I was like, no, Latasha, you should have said no to that second one. You should have stayed at that first one where they treated you amazing and you were learning and you were enjoying yourself. And, you know, you should have said no. So after that happened, I was really it really just hit me like you cut you got to stop saying yes to everything. Also, because it was an event where I was more of a host, which again is a fun thing for me. I don't mind doing that every once in a while, but I wasn't talking about my career. I wasn't talking about, you know, my offers. So it really didn't get me a lot. Like it was really just a photo op and that's pretty much it and being treated badly. (laughs) So I'm very strategic with what I speak at now. And it's also important to say that some things pay, some things don't. I'm fine with speaking for free sometimes, but it has to be really aligned to my goals. If I'm getting in front of a target audience, if I'm getting in front of people who are very interested in what I, I am focusing on in my business right now, I'll do it for free. But if somebody's asking me to speak on like something that I just am not trying to work on in my business right now, then I'm gonna either need to get paid for it or I'm gonna say no for it, Um, no to it or both. I'll say no to it, even if they offer to pay me. So for instance, right now, I'm really trying to focus on video services. It's something that I realize I really love to do. I love editing video. It's the thing that I have the most experience in in my whole life. So I wanna get in front of entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, businesses that need social media videos edited, that need captions added to their Instagram videos, that need, you know, um, Facebook ad videos created, things like that. So that's what I want to do. And same thing goes for podcast interviews too. If somebody says, I want you to come on my podcast and talk about like, I don't know, Facebook or something or Twitter, something that is really not what I'm trying to focus on right now, I'm usually going to decline it unless there's another, you know, really good reason that I want to work with them. Hi there. My name is Leah and I own Leah Tackles Social, which is a social media marketing business. I got my first client by talking to someone who I already knew and had a relationship with about their social media. I saw a space in their business where I felt like I could help them with their social media. And so I contacted them via email. We set up a phone meeting and I went from there. I think it can be so daunting, but you can use people in your network who you might know from a previous job, a family friend, maybe they own a small business. And it's very simple using tools like Canva to set up case studies even using your own social media. Don't be afraid. It's much easier once you get started and get one. 
All right, so I love that clip from Leah at Leah Tackles, leahtacklessocial.com. She talks about, it was kind of like a combo of a cold pitch and a word of mouth kind of thing. I guess it's kind of like a warm pitch, I guess I'll say. I love what she said because I often get this question. Okay, let, let's talk about cold calls. Let's talk about cold pitching. Let's talk about all that stuff. You know, it's hard for me to sometimes give advice on that because I really don't have a ton of experience with true cold pitching, meaning I am walking into a store or a restaurant and saying, hey, can I talk to the manager? Like, I really haven't ever done that. Usually it will be, again, kind of a warm lead where maybe I know the person from a previous job or I know them from a friend of a friend or I've interacted with them on social media or something and then I go in with a pitch. So that's an option. But also I use LinkedIn a lot and other uh, kind of startup research websites and tools. I pay attention to business news, local and national and global really. Just pay attention to different businesses and what's going on with them. What businesses seem to be increasing their marketing budgets. And it's just a lot of research and social listening, like paying attention to what's going on in the landscape. From there, what I do is I will try to build a relationship with a decision maker at that company. So let's just say this is like an example that I, I'm not trying to reach at all, but you know, they have like a huge marketing team and agencies that they use, but let's just say Nike. I'm like, I Nike is a company that I want to work with. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to find their marketing managers, their VP of marketing, their, you know, CMO on LinkedIn or on Twitter or wherever. Those are sort of my two places where I tend to make most of my business connections. I'll follow them, I'll start engaging with them, I'll make sure that my LinkedIn profile is up to date. I have a video that I just posted about LinkedIn. I'll leave that in the show notes. And and I'll start to build a relationship with them so that maybe in a month or so or whenever, you know, maybe, maybe right away, they send me a message and say, hey, who are you? Tell me about yourself. Or if they don't do that, maybe a month down the line after I've kind of commented on some of their things, I've had some good conversations with them. Again, commenting in a non-spammy way, not saying, hey, click on my website, like things like that. Once I've done that, then maybe I'll go in with an email and, and give them a formal ask for a meeting or a pitch deck or something like that. We're actually talking this week in my membership group about portfolio pieces. So that might give you some good ideas about what to send in those sort of warm leads or cold pitches or whatever it is that you want to call them. So that's going to be an upcoming masterclass. If anyone's interested in joining, it'll be on Tuesday, the 28th, I believe it is. But anyway, so yeah, I loved that advice, but yeah, I don't really do a ton of true cold pitching. Next way that I get clients is through SEO. So again, this is another long game. This is something that, yes, I definitely recommend that everybody start focusing on building up, you know, their their search, their SEO authority, that we all work on some type of a content marketing piece, whether that is a YouTube channel, a podcast, a blog, just like a Instagram series, a LinkedIn video series. I do recommend that we all have something like that, that we're working on building because I do, do think it's a good, good way to connect with your audience, show them who you are a little bit more. Uh, and it is, especially for something like YouTube or podcasts, long term, it really works as a long game type thing. I don't have to publish a new YouTube video this week to still see some of those YouTube results, but it took time to get there. Um, SEO is kind of the same thing. So it's important to have 
keywords on your website. I'm not an SEO expert, so maybe hiring somebody on a site like Upwork who can optimize your site for SEO. I do know a little bit, like I know how to optimize my site, but if you're really confused about it, uh, hiring somebody is a good idea. Just doing research on your own, trying to rank for certain keywords really helps. This is something that I... I would say it took me a couple years before I started to see SEO results. And I know it doesn't have to take that long. Again, I'm not an expert. So if I would have hired somebody, I probably would have seen results sooner. But recently, like over this past year, I've got a lot more people coming to me saying, oh yeah, I just searched for somebody who does video and you had a lot of good testimonials on your site. Or I searched for, um, the other day I talked to somebody who said that they were searching for somebody in the Squarespace circle, which is like a membership group for experienced Squarespace website builders. So every once in a while, I'll I'll get someone who says that. And it that didn't used to be the case when I first started because it does take content and, and some, some time on Google essentially to build that up couple tips on that though are obviously optimize your site but also just try to get better about tracking so get familiar with tracking your links whether that's through google analytics or it's just through some other link tracker just so you can try to see where people are coming from are they and even like squarespace itself has analytics that will tell you how much of your traffic is coming from google search versus like social or any other platform so i just think that's really good to know because if all of your traffic's coming from search then maybe focus on building more content if uh nobody's (laughs) coming through search then maybe you do need to hire somebody to help get your SEO in order. If you don't have proper tracking in place, at least always ask. And I still always ask people when they book a call, I say, oh, how'd you first hear about me? And they will often either say YouTube or Google. (laughs) The next way that I've got client leads is through Facebook groups. This is another one that I'm going to tell you comes with a caveat. Okay. I have received, I've I've had one long-term client that came to me from a Facebook group who really is awesome. I still work with her. She's great. I love working with her. It's not the most high paying um, contract that I've ever had, but it's a decent amount of money every month that I can count on. It's a really fun project that I really enjoy doing. She's a really pleasant person, um, really easy to work with. So that was a really high quality lead. But what I will say is I have responded to so many, so many requests for people on Facebook. And so far, I've only really had one high quality, long-term consistent client from it. So don't spend all your time on Facebook groups. I'll say, I think Facebook groups are good for beginners, true, true beginners who just need their first bit of experience. And I, I think that if you're willing to work for a lower rate, you can probably find some good portfolio projects in Facebook groups. For me, I've found that almost everybody, when I comment on a thread and I say, oh yeah, I'm available to do that, the first thing they say is how much does it cost? And when a client, that's all that they care about, the first thing that they ask about is how much does it cost? That's a really bad sign in my experience. It's kind of a red flag of somebody who is looking for their price shopping over quality shopping. And for somebody who is more experienced, some, for somebody who is commanding a little bit higher rates, it usually results in not so great of experiences for me personally. So that's what I'll say about Facebook groups. So I still do, I still am in a lot of Facebook groups. I'll pay attention to things that I get tagged in or that, you know, come through. 
And I'll, I just try to vet them. You know, if I have extra time, sure, I'll put, I'll drop my hat in. Again, I think this is where portfolios and a proper website come in handy because I see a lot of people just responding with like, hey, DM me. Whereas if I just link my website, I often at least get people interested because they see, oh, it's a good, attractive website. She has examples. She has testimonials. She has everything I need. She has her pricing on here. Um, and it just looks a bit, little bit more professional. So yeah, if I have time, I'll go through them, but I don't, I don't spend my whole day on Facebook groups. I think it's also good to pay attention to the groups that you're in, their days. A lot of groups have structured days where it's like Tuesdays are job threads. So if you know Tuesdays are job threads or collaboration threads or whatever, then make sure that you put a calendar block on your calendar and check in on the group on that day. But don't just like sit there and like endlessly scroll on Facebook all day because I've just found that a lot of those things don't pan out. And lastly, um, I'll give you a couple of random ones. <laughs> so I got a client. This is like, I always feel like such a uh, annoying person when I say this, but I technically have a modeling agency. I've done like some commercial modeling work. I don't consider it modeling. Like, I don't know. It's just, to me, it's like another job, <laughs> another revenue stream. So I by no means want to be an actual model. I one time got a gig from going to a shoot. <laughs> like I went to a shoot as a commercial model and somebody saw my email address and they were like, I, I don't know why I use my business email for it, but, or maybe I had my, in my signature, my business was linked in my personal email, something like that. And they got intrigued and they said, oh, can, let, can I work with you? So again, they came to me. And I think that that just speaks to always talking about what you do to everyone. So I, when I go to my dentist, I talk about digital marketing with them. I say, oh yeah, like I'm gonna leave you guys a review on Google and like just try to let them know that, hey, this is what I do. I know the business because you never know who's listening. Like I said, I do have in my personal email address, so like the email I use to, you know, pay bills and talk to my apartment management and, um, you know, my family, whoever, I have in my signature a little call to action to uh, visit my business website because like I said, you never know who's listening. You never know who, what dentist office needs a digital marketer or which person in the modeling industry needs a digital marketer or whatever. So that was kind of like a funny one. Another one I got recently was I, a giveaway winner on my podcast, actually. She won a giveaway and she ended up joining my paid membership group. That was like one of the giveaway prizes. And she started to understand really what I did and what I offered. And she ended up hiring me for work. So it was so cool because it was like, I was just trying to give, you know, some value away and I ended up getting paid for it too. So that was really nice. And again, just speaks to talk about what you do. You know, sometimes people just, there's so much noise on social media and in the world in general, that if we're not telling people what we do and what we have to offer, sometimes it's not that people don't want our offer. It's just that they haven't heard it. You know, they don't fully understand it because we've talked about it so briefly. So those are a couple of random ways. I guess those are more word of mouth type ways. Whew. Okay. So that's, that was everything I could think of. I'm sure there's probably other ways that I'll think of after I'm done recording this, but those are the major ways. So key takeaways from this episode, I know it was a long one. So thank you guys for, for sticking with me. Key takeaways. Think about where you are in your business. I think there's different stages. I think there are people who need clients right now. If you're that person, I recommend starting an Upwork profile. 
going on LinkedIn and searching for freelance gigs on there, reaching out to past clients and seeing if they have any referrals or if they need any work done. Those are kind of some immediate things that can happen pretty quickly. Now, if you're someone who has some consistent work coming in, you're not super worried about you know, money in the short term, you know, you can pay a couple months rent at least, you know, you're not super stressed right now about money. Now would probably be a good time to maybe introduce a new revenue stream and or to start working on a new type of content, you know, work on some content marketing that is going to have some long term payoff for you. So work on starting that YouTube channel, my new course, All About Video Marketing can help you out with that 25 bucks and it'll really help you get started with your content strategy. Start working on a blog, you know, either hiring a blog writer or coming up with topics to blog about. These are things that are gonna help your SEO. They're gonna help your brand long-term, but you're probably not gonna see a client on day one. Although maybe you'll get lucky, that would be awesome. If you're somebody who is really set, like you're like, I'm not worried about money at all, then I would probably increase content production. I think the more that you can get out there, within reason, obviously, you don't wanna be spammy, the better. Hire a team, figure out how you can make your work more efficient. Hire a video editor, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'm here for you, girl. Do something that will help you be more efficient, get more content out there at scale and bring you more high quality leads. Because the thing about inbound that I didn't really mention when I talk about YouTube, when I talked about blogging, things like that, is that those people are looking for you. Those people tend to be the least likely to be price shoppers. If somebody gets in their mind, I like that Latasha James. She gives really good you you know advice on her YouTube channel. I want to work with her. Very seldom are those the people who are, are pricing me down. Actually, a lot of them are pricing me up. I'll give them a price and they're like, okay, how about if we add this thing on and we make it this rate? And I'm like, all right cool. You just did the hard part, the negotiation part for me. So those are really ideal clients for me is people who are seeking me out. You know, they, they already get an idea of what I have to offer and they want to work with me. So yeah, those are kind of the three tiers and where I'd sort of recommend getting started. I hope that this was helpful. If it was, please, please, please leave me a review on iTunes. It takes like two seconds. It is so, so helpful. I'm going to leave all of the links that I mentioned in the show notes. Again, I have my membership group where we're going to be talking about portfolios coming up soon. I have a replay on Upwork strategies in there as well. So definitely join the club over there. It's a very valuable community. If I do say so myself, and I really enjoy talking to you guys on there, at least a couple times per month. Thanks so much for listening. I think that's all I got for today and I'll talk to you next week. If you're a YouTuber, you know as well as I do that beating the algorithm and ranking for the right keywords is hard. To help, I use TubeBuddy. It's an extension that allows you to do keyword research, promote your videos, and better manage your channel. Install it free on Google Chrome or join me as a pro member for just $9 a month. Go to tubebuddy.com slash Latasha or click the link in the show notes to get started. I'm Latasha James, and that's it for this episode of the Freelance Friday podcast. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to review it on iTunes or share it with a friend. This podcast is all about community, so you can also go ahead and head over to the Facebook group. It's called the Freelance Friday podcast community, 
or follow me on social. My handle is the Latasha James across all platforms. I'd love to know what you thought of the episode. And like I said, feel free to share it with a friend, tag a friend, screenshot the episode and tag a friend. It really helps us grow this community. And my goal is to help as many people through this collective community become better freelancers and more empowered freelancers. So that's it for the episode. I'll talk to you in the next one. It airs every single Friday. I'll talk to you again then.